It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Minicamp and OTAs is officially in the book for the 2023 Miami Dolphins, which means we now have our hiatus before the team returns for training camp. What are all the things on your minds as the Dolphins take their break? I'm glad you asked because that's what we are exploring here today on this episode of Locked on Dolphins. You are Locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, Miami. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Dolphins. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, host of Locked On Dolphins, co-host of the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You can find our shows on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we thank you guys for making Locked On Dolphins your first Miami Dolphins listen of the day. Today is Friday, June 9th, 2023. Today's episode of Locked On Dolphins is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL. And when you enter the promo code locked on NFL, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti style tumbler with every order. It is power to the pod here on this Friday episode of Locked On Dolphins. All of the things that are in your minds, all the things that you want to talk about as this pod, right? Dolphins, pod, podcast, family, pod, dolphins, surely you get the reference point. We've been doing this for a little while here on Locked on Dolphins and obviously love hearing from all of you and figured we'd go out with a bang with minicamp coming to a close this week and kind of open the floor for some of you to bring uh, your most pressing questions to the forefront. So I have about 20 of them. And our objective is to, be, is to cover as much ground as we possibly can pertaining to all of the questions on your minds. And we will start with this one from Danny. Does the team need Dalvin Cook? Of course it's a Dalvin Cook question. Everybody wants to know about Dalvin Cook right now. Does the team need Dalvin Cook, or would they be better off fortifying the defensive line and depth at linebacker? I don't think the Dolphins need Dalvin Cook. No. Would I think Dalvin Cook brings an extra element of challenge to defending the Dolphins? Yes. And look, you can look at the raw production in Dalvin Cook and see that he was a productive player last year, but if you looked at an efficiency standpoint and some of the advanced metrics for running back play across the NFL... Uh, Last season was not his best season, and I think it's that intersection between him being a player who uh, is on a second contract, a lot of money for a team in Minnesota who's going through a transition, and there's a little bit of a regression from an efficiency standpoint. He hit a a number of home run type plays, hit a home run against the Bills, hit a home run catch and run against the Colts, he hit a home run against the, the Dolphins that sealed those football games, or helped to win those football games, I should say. But largely from an efficiency standpoint, rushing yards over expectation, was it was not a strong season for Dalvin Cook in that capacity. 
And I've said a number of times, from my point of view, the appeal of Dalvin Cook is that he is a player who's capable of doing everything well. He might not be uh, the prime player he was a few years back. He might not be as explosive as A-Chain or Mostert. He might not be as physical as Jeff Wilson, but he can do all of those things. And, And that's the appeal. Would I go above and beyond to make Dalvin Cook happen? No. And I may have this question later in the queue, but I'll, I'll get out in front of it. If I were the Dolphins, what I would be willing to commit to Dalvin Cook is probably $4 million per season plus incentives. That would be my offer. And my sales pitch is you come home, there's no state income tax. That is a significant difference from some of the other teams that we are hearing may be interested in Dalvin Cook. So from a financial standpoint, it might be close. But do you want to play on a contending team? We've heard Denver is a team that that is also interested. They already agreed to terms with Frank Clark this week, up to $7.5 million for Frank Clark. So from Miami's perspective, you know, this is not, I'm, I'm not offering you $10 million. I'm not offering you $8 million. And if some team's going to offer you 2x what we're probably comfortable going to, I, I would want the cap to be about six, six and a half million dollars is the most Dalvin Cook can make, knowing full well that when this offense has been at its best historically, when Mike McDaniel has been a part of these other stops in Atlanta and San Francisco and Cleveland and Washington and so on, there's been a, a pretty robust share workload of the carries. So that would be my mentality making an offer for Dalton Cook. I would not fall all over myself to get it done, personally. Next question comes from the subtext community. And if you're not a part of the subtext community, this is a great way to make sure that you guarantee if I don't answer your question here on the show, I text with you individually. We could talk about whatever questions you have. Uh, if you're interested in the subtext, uh, it is a great opportunity to kind of connect on a deeper level, you can do so by texting DOLPHINS to 305-419-3924. Text directly with me. Uh, we do some behind-the-scenes type stuff. You guys get some show notes, some research projects. I uh, get a chance to, to talk DOLPHINS with me, of course, get on the show in this capacity. Uh, but then also we do some film studies. I'll send out some links to some private videos and, and a breaking down film, uh, which is kind of what I've really enjoyed kind of opening up and expanding on the subtext community. So that's Dolphins to 305-419-3924. If you're interested in signing up, get the first two weeks free. If you don't like it, it's no big deal. 403 number on subtext. What's your favorite position to scout? And what position is your favorite just to watch as a fan if it's different? Uh, it Right now, it's the same. Uh, and it's quarterback, just because... I really enjoy the mechanics of the game, the um, the interactions between all 22 players on the field at any given time simultaneously, and the way that I have found is, is best engaging to do that is to, to watch quarterback, but watch it from a big picture perspective. I'm not critiquing your footwork, I'm not really picking apart your ball placement, but more so like, what did you have called? What did the defense give you and what was your process like in your process of elimination to quickly get to the right spot or not get to the right spot? And kind of watching the chess mass happen is, is really fun. Uh, defensively, I love pass rushers. I love watching guys kind of build a pass rush play and kind of set up future moves throughout the course of a game. 
it's kind of the, again, the game within the game. I, I think it's the areas that I, I find myself most consistently drawn to. Um, another subtext, 239 number asking, amidst the Dalvin Cook rumors, I was wondering what the salary cap would look like. Would we still be able to get a deal done for Wilkins? Your salary, there, there's no reason why your salary cap number couldn't be less for Christian Wilkins than what it was this year. Uh, the Bills just did a contract extension with Ed Oliver, who was on the same playing time qualifier for his fifth-year option, the, the uh, Tier 2 out of four possible tiers uh, for your fifth-year option for defensive tackles would be about $10.7 million. And they created about $3 million in cap space, if I'm remembering correctly. I'll pull it up. I just want to make sure I'm speaking complete facts here. He signed a four-year, $68 million contract extension. Excuse me, it was even more than that. And his cap his cap hit went from 10.7 to under $5 million. They made almost $6 million in cap space by extending Ed Oliver on a four-year, $68 million contract. Now, again, that doesn't mean salary cap's not real. It doesn't mean the salary cap's fake. There's long-term implications for these things. It's all strategic money that you can continue to move around and manipulate, but you need to have outs and contracts to have flexibility. All that jazz, right? But if you wanted to keep Christian Wilkins in town, and if you wanted to commit yourself to a bigger salary cap hit this year than the 10.7, you could really load some guaranteed money into the front of this deal and appease Christian Wilkins if you needed to. I think they are kind of at this unique intersection where they would probably benefit in the long run from getting the deal done now, but Christian's here. Christian's playing on the fifth-year option. Christian didn't hold out from camp. Christian hasn't put together the pass rush numbers yet that some of the other guys have. So I would understand if the Dolphins wanted to play the waiting game. You just know if that's the case, then you say, okay, we're going to take the very large prorated cap hit for the contract extension in 2024, and then in 2025 when our cap space opens up, we're going to take advantage of that versus trying to line up the year two cap on a new deal if you did a deal now, but maybe paying more in the long run if you wait to do it. Going to continue with these questions here on Locked on Dolphins, but before we do, today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Bird Dogs and... I'll tell you this about Bird Dogs. Their crowning achievement is it is 11 a.m. on Friday, June 9th. And I'm in my house wearing Bird Dogs voluntarily. Not because they brought you today's show, but because they are that comfortable. If I'm in the comfort of my own home and I record from home, I have a home studio, I want to be comfortable, right? These things, they wick, they move. They stretch, but yet if I were going to go play golf, if I were going to go run around outside, if I were going to go to the gym, like you ever see somebody at the gym and they're wearing work clothes and you're like, how do they, how do they do that? I would not blink twice about wearing my work clothes with air quotes, if they're bird dogs to the gym, because they, they give you that level of movement. So it's this really, really awesome experience to put on shorts that look like khaki shorts, but they fit slim through the thigh and the leg give you a sculpted look. They do what Lululemon does, but they actually do it better. Uh, this cloud knit fabric looks like khaki, but moves freely, not like the stuffy cotton shorts. And there's anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you dry all day long. You can go to birddogs.com slash locked on NFL and enter promo code locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NFL for a free Yeti style tumbler. 
you won't want to take these things off once you put them on. I promise you that. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Our next question here on Locked On Dolphins. It's from an 863 number. X's and O's of how the Fangio defense helps or hurts the pass rush. We kind of dove into this a little bit earlier in the week. But I would say from a big picture perspective, it's this. Uh, there are a lot more pressure fronts, sub, sub-package fronts for this Fangio defense that I, I think are going to turn loose your best athletes on the front. Vic likes to run a little bit more wide nine type looks for his edge rusher guys on third down passing situations. And, and wide nine is when you are kind of turned in and way outside the offensive tackle where you're really going to stress that pass set. And if the tackle is going to get width coming out of his stance to meet you when you're in a wide alignment, what that does is that creates that two-way go void where you can work underneath of that offensive tackle and cross his face. Or if he doesn't get there in time, you can just blow right by him off his outside hip. And I think when you have the explosiveness that the Dolphins do, that is an element that is going to help. I also think what they're going to do on the back end to zone match uh, route releases and it gets stickier while playing more zone coverage versus the Dolphins playing so much man coverage last year. Uh, is it going to allow you to cater your zone drops and get attached on the bodies quickly? When the Dolphins did zone drops last year, it felt like a lot of country zone, which is where I'm just going to drop to my landmark and not plaster guys. That'll be different, and that'll force the quarterback to hold the ball for a little bit longer. So those are some ways in which I think this really lines up well for the Dolphins' pass rush group. Our next question, 515 number. If Miami's really going to go with the Jackson 5 for two of the line spots, should we be concerned that Liam is our backup center? Do we have a better option for him than the second-team center? Yes, Dan Feeney, uh, I think, is your de facto backup center, utility, this, like the Michael Dieter role. Ideally, he's a little higher on the depth chart than Michael Dieter is when we're watching Michael Dieter not play in the playoff game in favor of Lester Cotton. Uh, but Feeney has experience at center. I would say he's probably comfortably your your second-team center right now, regardless of what Liam Eikenberg is doing. I'm trying not to put too much stock into anything the Dolphins did at OTAs or minicamps without pads on. Now, kind of playing around with some stuff, trying some new stuff. Okay, that's fine. But I'm not going to read too much on the tea leaves for what they did in the here and now. And Dan Feeney has, like, NFL experience playing center. So I would say Feeney's – you're in good shape with Feeney being your backup center as things currently stand. 815 number. There are some content creators that have downplayed the tight end room, suggesting that it's arguably the league's worst. I think it's better in the current scheme than last year's because they're a bona fide veteran blocking specialist. What are your thoughts? Uh – yeah, so if you're a big picture or a fantasy football skewed or a personality that views the game through that lens of 
your quality of a group is is predicated solely on your ability to catch footballs and score touchdowns, you're going to be underwhelmed with what the Dolphins have in their tight end room. But what I would say is this. I went on team stream with Bleacher Report and did a Dolphins stream earlier this week. And in doing research for that, they asked me to get ready to talk about optimizing the Dolphins starting lineup. for Both the 53-man roster and the depth chart. The Dolphins last year on first and 10 spent 82% of their snaps in either 21 or 11 personnel. 82% of first and 10s, they were 21, which is two backs and one tight end, or 11, which is one back and one tight end. They were only in 12 personnel 10% of the time on first and 10. So their multiple tight end sets were not frequent, and Alec Ingold serves as your second tight end essentially anyway. The Dolphins were 30th in the NFL in targets to the tight end group for the entire season. 12%. 12% of your targets on the season went to tight ends. So if that's the case, and you have a two-man combo of wide receivers that is capable of creating the kinds of spacing issues that other teams would need three or four players to, to create, why would you invest in a big-time pass catcher at tight end? I'm unfazed by this tight end group. Do I think it's going to be sexy fantasy football position? No. But the Dolphins didn't need it to be that last year. It wasn't that last year, and they didn't need it to be that last year. So I'm unaffected by the lack of receiving prowess of this group. It's more of a complementary role within this specific offense, and that's fine. I think everybody's expectations were probably just a little different because the Dolphins gave Mike Isecki George Kittle tape to watch this time last year and said, hey, learn how to do some of this stuff, and it didn't go great, and then they let Mike Isecki leave, so we all just expected they were going to go find that player. Well, I think they, they have some interesting irons in the fire, with what they have from developmental types, and we'll see how it plays out. But I don't think this offense needs that kind of player in the passing game to be an effective group. Now, you just can't define the success or the effectiveness of the group by how many passes they catch. That's all. Uh, Kevin from Long Island. Oh, he sent me a bunch. Okay. What are your goals for the offense and defense to get Miami to the peak of their potential? Okay. Okay. I'm going to wrap my head around this. My goals for both sides of the football, for the peak of their potential. Okay, I'll set some arbitrary parameters out here. Tui Tungvalo needs to start 17 games. That's a goal. The Dolphins need to be a little bit more committed to running the football. The Dolphins were actually middle of the pack last year with 4.3 yards per carry. And if you took the production from Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, you got fine production in the passing game. You just were the third less frequent, least frequent play caller to call runs in the entire NFL last year. There were only a handful of teams that called less runs than you. It wasn't an efficiency standpoint. You were middle of the pack. I think they were 18th in yards per carry last year. But when you are 30th or 31st in runs called on the year, yeah, your raw rushing totals are going to be bad. Running the ball a little bit more is, is going to set you up for more explosive plays in the passing game, believe it or not, because it's going to force teams to honor the box with a little bit more consistency. It's going to take a little bit of pressure off to a tongue of Aloha to be a high-volume player that is going to put him in position to take more hits. 
And you have the ability to do it. I mean, Alec Engel, Robert Hunt, Connor Williams, Teron Armstead. Austin Jackson's strength is as a run blocker. This revamped tight end room. You should probably call an extra six to eight runs a game to be a more effective offense and peak as an offense. Because then, you know, the, the run after catch opportunities, we're going to talk about racking teams to death. When your run game's going, screen game's going to be better because the second level's not going to be flying out of there to the perimeter quite as fast. And the opportunities to run after catch are going to be better because you're going to be continuing to hold the second level more consistently. So run the ball six to eight times more per game. That's number one on offense. Number two on defense, I would say my arbitrary goal is to keep your rotation healthy, but don't take Jalen Phillips off the field too much and move Jalen Ramsey around. Let Jalen Ramsey be a mismatch, uh, a, a defensive weapon. Right, I won't invoke Weapon X because that was Brian Dawkins and that was like he, he's quintessential in that regard. But Jalen Ramsey can be a chess piece. He needs to be a chess piece to optimize the defense. So those are kind of some arbitrary goals that I have for each. Um, I'm going to save some of your other questions. You have some good questions, but I kind of already touched on Dalvin Cook, and then I want to save your other question for an actual show. So we have, what, about half dozen questions more here that i got to tackle here on Locked on Dolphins. We're going to finish with them here today on this Friday episode of the show. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 305 number here from the subtext, 13.32 million in cap. What position are you spending it on after minicamp? I am signing a defensive tackle, a nose tackle specifically, unless you want to play Christian Wilkins in the nose, and then you can go sign a B-gap defender. I'm signing a, a stack linebacker. And I'm probably getting at least the Connor Williams extension done. And I'm making an offer in that same ballpark that I had mentioned for Dalvin Cook. And if you take it, great. I'll need to accommodate for $4 million up front. With 13, if you extend Connor Williams and you stuff more money in the front end, uh, I could see that cap landing around $9 million. Now you could make the cap hit lower if you wanted to and kick more down the road. You could put a, do a four-year deal and put a void year on the back if you wanted to. I wouldn't do that per se. But I, I would take some of the 13. First thing I got to do is I got to sign Cam Smith. He's not under contract yet. So that'll probably take you to 13. That's a very marginal cost of doing business. I would do the Connor Williams contract, and I'd, I'd keep about the same amount of money, if not put a little bit more into this year's salary cap hit. So that won't necessarily move that number big time. You're talking probably two to three million dollars for a linebacker and a nose tackle, so that's four. 
That would leave me enough room to get Dalvin Cook if I wanted to get Dalvin Cook, have enough operating expenses to get me all the way through the season, and then whatever I don't use, I'm carrying over to 2024. That would be how I would use, that would be how I would hope to use the salary cap space. Uh, 914 number. Chris from White Plains. One of the numerous Chris's with you on draft night. We had a bunch of Chris's with us. Question I have is how the development of some of the younger guys, but not rookies, might be going and what contributions they could make. Names like Esukanma, Robert Jones, Cameron Good, Channing Tindall, Braylon Sanders, Trill Williams. Okay, so the first thing I got to do is I got to put my flag in the ground here. I got to say which Dolphins players I think make the team. Ezukanma, yes. Robert Jones, yes. Cameron Good, probably not. I don't know that Cameron Good will make this football team. Channing Tindall, yes. Braylon Sanders, no. I think he's a practice squad player at best. Uh, Trill Williams, I hope so. Sounds like he might get some, some looks at safety, and if that's the case, I think that opens the door for him to be your fifth fifth safety, big-time special teams player. Um, I, I would want to see it through with Trill Williams. I'd also put Verone McKinley on here. I think Verone McKinley has an inside track to make this roster as well as a UDFA off of last year's team, plus Tanner Connor. So, I mean, there's a number of... these. I mean, those are all second-year players. I think you'll have five five or six of them on the roster, except for Trill Williams is not. Uh, but if you have a half a dozen of those guys, I mean, that bodes well for the Dolphins keeping guys in the pipeline and ready and... Well, you, your number might get called this year, but largely it's about keeping them in the pipeline until you have to make a deci- difficult decision and let somebody else go and have them ready to step in and perform at a high level. Now, ideally, you'd like to get a little bit of volume of those guys to know what you're getting from them this year. Uh, set, s- 978 number. Peter with the next one. Is the position room of running back filled with solid contributors already? And financially, is it worth justifying bringing anyone else in with the financial commitments that are already made? So this has the potential to be a Cedric Wilson type opportunity where you brought back Jeff Wilson, you brought back Raheem Mostert, you brought back Savan Ahmed. You brought back Miles Gaskin. Now, th- those last two contracts, it's not going to kill you if you decide to move on. But like Jeff Wilson got a two-year, $6 million contract. I think here's where you could justify it. And, and of course, that doesn't include Devon A. Chain, who you draft in the third round. Jeff Wilson's getting $3 million in cash this year. You're not going to move on because his, his dead cap would be more than the, the uh, cap hit he's scheduled for. Lest we forget, guys like Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert have been effective players, but they've also always been rotational players, and there's kind of always been some kind of injury thing with those guys intermittently. So I think another way that the Dalvin Cook potential move could be justified is having a surplus of depth at that position if you are serious about running the football more. If we're serious about running the football more, and heaven forbid, but if Raheem Mostert gets banged up and missed time, and, and there's not been too many seasons in which he's played in many games as he did last year, and Jeff Wilson gets banged up, are we, are we really going to continue to be committed to running the ball with Savan Ahmed as your primary back and Savan Ahmed and, and Devon A. Chain splitting carries? Those are two smaller backs. 
So I, I think if you are honestly committed to running the football more this season, that's why there is an interest here. Uh, and then, of course, the financials just have to line up. And that's why my offer would be what my offer is. 301 number, do you see either Cedric Wilson or Noah Igbenogany making the team? Please give your too early depth chart for wide receiver and corner. Okay, I'll gladly do that. My wide receiver depth chart, as things currently stand, is Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Uh, the twos are Chosen Anderson and Braxton Berrios. I think Eric Azucama with his draft status and some developmental upgrade or upside and the fact that he's a more physical player uh, is probably your five. Cedric Wilson does have return upside with what he was able to provide in the back half of the year from special teams, but uh, I think he's probably your... I think Chosen Anderson's a better outside threat down the field. I think Braxton Barrus is a better threat in the slot. Would he make the roster? Yeah, I don't think they would take on as hev- that heavy of a dead cap hit just to, to be rid of him when you, like, you could take the contributions and have a viable NFL receiver in case somebody got banged up and missed any amount of time. Like I would have him over uh, Braylon Sanders as an example. I'd rather have Cedric Wilson on the roster. And I think Cedric Wilson, if you're, you're talking about a backup slot, I would say Cedric's probably your backup slot. So I think you will make the roster unless you get a trade partner. As far as Noah, Ramsey and Howard, Kohu and Cam Smith, Nick Needham, Crossan and Bethel from a special teams ability. Trill Williams is in here unless you're going to count him at safety. And he's fighting with Elijah Campbell for a spot. I don't think Noah makes the team. I'm going to be honest. Just my way too early prognosis of those two depth charts. Uh, Speaking of Ezukama, what should we expect from Eric Ezukama at wide receiver this year? Hopefully we get some smattering of reps. We we get him in some big personnel situations uh, when you want to run heavy and then you want to have some some tendency breakers to to pass out of those heavier sets uh, when, when you had like two tight ends and Trent Sherfield last year when you were looking to, to try to put put teams in opposing base defensive groups. I'd like to think Ezukama can get, get on the field in some of those situations if you're going to run 11 personnel and really sell the the, the threat of the run. Although I, I don't want to sign him up for too much just because you know 300 targets in this passing game are going to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Wild if they're both healthy all year. As it should. So... Hopefully we kind of see some smattering of opportunities that start to look like the Sherfield reps. The Sherfield role would be my hope. Uh, 954, I want to shout you out as well for asking how we were going to spend our money. I think we've kind of dove into that one a little bit. Uh, 704 number. Sorry if this is late. It's not. I'm recording. I, I got you in time. You sent it this morning at 8 o'clock. Little concern, no word of anything positive from the tight end group so far. I get we want them blocking more blocking from them, but other than Tanner Concer's drops, nada. Uh, also, uh, A chain and expectations getting compared to Savan Ahmed. Okay, as I'm processing this, 
what they're going through, and Tua Tagovailoa kind of alluded to some of this. Uh, it sounds like they're working on the base principles in minicamp. Tua asking, hey, defense is overplaying this. When are we going to go to this play concept or this play package and break out of it? And Frank Smith says, Mike McDaniel wants us working the basics until everybody gets the, the core basic principles of the offense. We're, we're not installing for anything at this point in time. So I'm, I'm not concerned with anybody right now. Uh, it's not go time yet. And I think the time in which you would be concerned, at least for me, is probably after a couple of weeks of at least preseason football. And even then, it's going to be vanilla, lest we forget how good Scholar Thompson was in uh, play preseason football game action this year. For me, the first month of the season, you're going to kind of feel out where your true strengths are in a competitive environment when you're actually game planning for the opponent. Uh, I think there's going to be ups and downs. I think offense is going to get up to the line of scrimmage and have plays that are kind of dead on arrival, but you're going to run them anyway because you got to install. You got to get everybody on the same page. So whether that's the center holding out, whether that's the tight ends not making contributions in the passing game, whether that's anything else, um, I get we're all anxious for football, right? I'm just not going to take the bait of what the Dolphins put on the field for their minicamp as things that I'm going to get upset about just yet. I'm going to preach patience here for myself and hope that, you know, as we get closer to the actual start of the season, we'll continue to have more clarity and we'll see them adjust during practices, be those open practices or, or non-open practices, uh, to kind of actually ramp up for that competitive approach of we're going to try to win every down as compared to, look, we got a play call. We know we're, we're at a numbers disadvantage in the box. We're going to run it anyway because we got to really continue to preach the, the principles of how this, this offense is supposed to work. So that's my two cents on that one. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Locked on Dolphins. That is going to do it for me. I'm happy for the week. Be back again on Monday. It is your team every day here on the Locked On Network. You got seven shows this week. If you miss some, go back and check them out. If you're an everydayer who is plugged in on a daily basis, I thank you for keeping it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins because it is your team every day. You can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Make it a great weekend. Fins up. I'll be back again on Monday to talk some more about your Miami Dolphins. Thanks for watching or listening. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.